Blog Talk Radio. And welcome to the Week 5 preview edition of the Fantasy Football Feeding Frenzy. I am your host, Gary Davenport, flying solo this evening. I have finally managed to chase off every co-host that the show has ever had with my effervescent personality. David Oliveris and Ryan Black couldn't join us this evening. And given last week's technical difficulties and the madness swirling around the National Football League, I figured I would give it a go solo. May not go the whole hour. We'll see how things go. Whether I can come up with something to talk about for the entire 60 minutes that isn't just gibberish, whether I can come up with something to talk about for six minutes that isn't just gibberish. We've made it four weeks into the 2017 NFL season. That means the fantasy football campaign is a quarter of the way home. You know, hopefully you're sitting at four and zero or three and one, maybe two and two, treading water, or like many of my teams could be at one and three, or zero oh and four and freaking out a little bit because this first month of the season has not exactly gone according to plan. The number one running back for the season is a rookie who wasn't even supposed to start for his respective team at the beginning of the year. We just watched another rookie quarterback throw up a monstrous stat line in a record-setting performance against the Tennessee Titans last week into Sean Watson of the Houston Texans. One of the higher-end wide receivers, a top-five draft pick in many fantasy leagues, has yet to score a touchdown on the season and got hurt this past week because you know just underperforming wasn't quite enough. And all the tight ends are hurt, essentially. If you don't have Rob Gronkowski, Zach Ertz, or Travis Kelce, you're hurting. But it's okay. At least that's what I keep telling myself. We're only four weeks in. Even if you're now 0-4 is rough. But even if you're 1-3, there's still plenty of time to turn the season around. I would expect that some of the underperforming stars we've seen early in the season will start to get in gear. We've seen that happen with the likes of Le'Veon Bell, Odell Beckham, Ezekiel Elliott to a lesser extent. Some of the overperforming guys may come back to the pack a little bit. I don't know that we're going to see that happen with Kareem Hunt. He seems to be the real deal. Ditto for Todd Gurley, who was running running like we expected him to play in 2016, which is awesome because I drafted him last year and got nothing. This year, I stayed away in most leagues, and I'm paying for that. So that's about my fantasy team. That's what I'll do. So this is just me. I can complain about my fantasy teams all I want. So between complaining about my fantasy teams and bitching about the Cleveland Browns, I should be able to fill. I could fill up an hour just complaining about the Browns. But you folks didn't sign on for that. You want some fantasy information, something that can help you get a win in week five, first of the bye weeks. No Atlanta Falcons, no Denver Broncos, no New Orleans Saints, and no Washington Redskins. So you don't want those guys in your lineup this week. 
they will get you slightly more points than what the Miami off, slightly less points, I mean, than the Miami offense has been putting up so far this year. Slightly. Won't be that big a gap, but they won't get you as many points as Jay Cutler. Here we'll start off with a look at the injuries, which there were a few this past weekend. The biggest, of course, Minnesota Vikings tailback Dalvin Cook, the exciting young rookie. Lost for the season to torn ACL. It was a sort of injury where the moment he went down, non-contact, grabbing his knee, disconsolate on the sidelines, you knew that his knee was tore up, and that was the end of that, which is a shame. He had looked the best rookie running back this side of Kareem Hunt so far this year. looked like he was the real deal. The Vikings just have not been able to buy a break, whether it's Sam Bradford not playing since week one. Now they've lost Dalvin Cook. Latavius Murray, the backup, was, of course, the hot waiver wire pickup in week five, but we're talking about a guy there who's averaging less than three yards to carry so far this year, had ankle surgery in the offseason. Granted, he scored a dozen touchdowns for the Oakland Raiders last year. He did rush for 1,000 yards back in 2015, but he's just talent level. He's not in the same zip code as Dalvin Cook. And it's just another blow to a Minnesota Vikings offense that looked fantastic the first weekend of the year. I mean, it looked like the Vikings were going to be a force in the NFC North. And now, looking like Detroit and Green Bay's division to take. I just don't know that the Vikings, there's only so many blows you can take before. And that's with Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen playing well. But Case Keenum's been such a roller coaster. You know, one week he looks fabulous this past week. As with three weeks ago, he did not. So I, I feel for Vikings fans, things are looking good. That was the biggest injury uh, this side of Oakland, I guess, where Derek Carr suffered an injury to the transverse processes of his back, which is an injury you don't hear a lot about unless you're Tony Romo's orthopedist. It's the same thing that knocked Romo out last season and opened the door for Dak Prescott to take over as the Dallas Cowboys quarterback. They're talking about a two- to six-week timetable for Carr's absence. I would be inclined to think it would be toward the longer end of that. I'm not basing that off any sort of medical knowledge. That I, I just two weeks sounds like an awfully short timetable. I'm sure the Raiders are going to want to rush him back as much as they possibly can without going nuts about it because, let's face it, the Raiders with E.J. Manuel under center or with a 500 football team, the Raiders with Derek Carr under center were a Super Bowl contender. And, you know, it's not just a blow to Derek Carr owners. Obviously, Michael Crabtree, Amari Cooper, Marshawn Lynch already wasn't doing a whole lot. This is not going to help matters any. It's just it's the sort of injury that sends ripples around the entire Oakland offense, and all those guys take a sizable hit beginning this week against the Baltimore Ravens. I mean, this would have looked like an exploitable matchup. The Ravens' secondary is a bit of a weakness for them defensively, but do you really trust E.J. Manuel to take advantage of that weakness? And that's assuming Michael Crabtree plays. He set out last week's game additionally with a chest injury, although it sounds like the Raiders are optimistic that he will make a return this week and want to monitor his practice participation as the week progresses. Devontae Adams, wide receiver, Green Bay Packers, hit with a thunderous helmet-to-helmet shot in Thursday night football by Chicago Bears linebacker. Danny Trevathan was knocked unconscious, taken to the hospital. 
Trevathan drew a two-game suspension, which was reduced to one game on appeal. I know a lot of people were rightfully outraged in the moment when the hit happened. It, he obviously led with the crown of his helmet. It was obviously a penalty. Had the official in the heat of the moment ejected Trevathan under the new rule, that, that would have been justified. The suspension was, I think they got it right. I think two games was fair, harsh enough, but fair. Reduce it to one on appeal. We're not talking about Vontez Perfect here, a guy with a long reputation of cheap shots. Danny Trevathan is a hard-nosed player. He's a tough player. But as someone who, you know, IDP is my thing, I follow the defensive players pretty closely. I've been following Trevathan's career dating all the way back to his time with the Denver Broncos. I've never known him to be a dirty player. I think he was just trying to make a play in the heat of the moment, and he made a mistake. He's being punished for that mistake. So Adams is out of the hospital. He's doing better. He's still in the NFL's concussion protocol. The Packers haven't ruled him out for this week, but I have a hard time seeing him play. And if he doesn't, that would open up some nice potential sleeper possibilities for Geronimo Allison. It's not the only injury the Packers are dealing with. They lost two running backs in the win over the Chicago Bears. Ty Montgomery has multiple broken ribs. Jamal Williams has a knee injury. Both practice today. This after rookie Aaron Jones, who looked pretty good. I think he had 13 carries for 49 yards and a touchdown, a little under four yards to carry. About half those yards came after contact, so he was running pretty hard. Trendy waiver wire pickup this week because it looked like there was really no chance that Montgomery or Williams would play. Now it's very much up in the air. Personally, I kind of wonder if maybe it's a little bit of gamesmanship on the part of the Packers headed into kind of a big game in Dallas against the Cowboys. Given how well Jones played, I don't know that they're going to want to risk further injury to Montgomery. And the original diagnosis on Williams was that he would miss multiple games. But before you go plugging Jones in any lineups, if you did put in a waiver claim and spend some of that valuable fab money on him, you're going to want to check the practice participations as we move farther into the week. And if all three backs practice on Friday, you know, I guess all bets are off. It would be a dice roll. And then some to put him in there. And that's as a guy who picked up Jones in a couple leagues was thinking I could sneak him in. You know, maybe if you've got Devontae Freeman on a bye or C.J. Anderson on a bye or Rob Kelly on a bye, that he was a guy that you could play or you just lost out and Cook and weren't able to get Latavius Murray, that he was a guy you would be able to plug in. That's looking much more dubious. News is a little bit better for Amir Abdullah coming off his best game of the year, nursing an ankle injury, limited participant in practice on Wednesday. Sounds like he's going to play. Indianapolis Colts tight end Jack Doyle is in the concussion protocol as well, was wearing a red non-contact jersey at practice Wednesday. And it's a matter of getting cleared. He's not cleared, he won't play. Leonard Fournette's nursing an ankle, limited participation, haven't seen anything to indicate that he won't be a go. The Vikings, once again this week, are saying Sam Bradford, as we all are, is day-to-day with the soreness in his knee and might play in week five. Maybe the Cook injury has kind of spurred them to try to get him back onto the field, but I I would be surprised. I mean, it would be great news for Stephon Diggs and Adam Thielen, assuming that they're not risky. I don't want 
risking further injury to Sam Bradford's knee would be pretty foolish, especially going into a Monday night game. Against the Chicago team, starting Mitch Trubisky, giving him his first NFL start, you would think that the Vikings can win this game without, you know, with Case Keenum, Latavius Murray, grind it out, play defense, and get out of there 13-10 to 10 with a win. But you can't take anything for granted in today's NFL, as we're learning over the first month of the season, so the Vikings may feel like they need to get Bradford back onto the field. Rob Gronkowski, and news that I'm sure everyone wants to hear, added to the injury report today with a thigh ailment. It's the Patriots, so you're not going to get much in the way of details. He did practice in a limited fashion. Check for participation rests for, for, oh, yeah, they play on Thursday. Never mind. You're going to have to make the decision now. My guess is he plays. The Patriots coming off the stunning loss to the Carolina Panthers at home, their second loss at home this year. I can't imagine if Gronk practiced even in a limited fashion today that he won't go, but make sure you check the inactives 90 minutes or so before game time tomorrow night and have a plan B ready to go. That's the last thing anyone wants to hear. It's the last thing the Patriots want to say, I'm sure, given how the season's progressing. But you may want to have a backup ready to go. Wendell Smallwood coming off a great game for the Philadelphia Eagles. Knee injury did not practice Wednesday. Not good news. You're going to want to check his participation later in the week. If he's not able to go, it will probably just mean that many more carries for LeGarrette Blunt, who's starting to look like maybe he will be the fantasy asset that folks who drafted him wish he would be. After a very slow start to the season, the Eagles had, oh, you know, everyone thought Darren Sproles goes down. Oh, what's going to happen to the Eagles' run game? It looked phenomenal last week against the Los Angeles Chargers. This week against the Arizona Cardinals was a little bit stiffer test, so let's see if they can keep that going two weeks in a row. Carlos Hyde played last week through the hip problem, admitted that he's a little sore, made it through the game, et cetera, et cetera. Matt Breda, his backup, is also a little dinged up. I don't think Hyde's availability is in doubt for this week against the Indianapolis Colts in which should be a good matchup for him. So he's a guy I would plan on having in lineups. And Marcus Mariota, quarterback for the Tennessee Titans in deja vu all over again. Marcus Mariota and Derek Carr went down on the same day. Again, at least this time it wasn't with a pair of broken legs. Mariota has a hamstring problem sustained in last week's 57-14 loss to the Houston Texans. He's day-to-day. I wouldn't count on him playing this week. If he doesn't, it will be the immortal Matt Castle under center for the Titans, which... You know, much like E.J. Manuel in Oakland with Matt Castle under center, everybody gets dinged, whether it's DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry or the pass catchers. Not that I don't – not that folks are exactly rolling out Tennessee Titans wide receivers right now with smiles on their faces. Delaney Walker might be okay as a safety valve. I would expect if Castle starts, we're going to see Tennessee just run the ball like crazy against Miami. So DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry might not take that big a hit assuming that DeMarco, who's nursing a hammy problem of his own, is close to 100%. This week's top waiver wire ads, it's quarterback position. you got some veterans making a bit of a comeback, starting to look good after horrendous starts to the season. Guys like Eli Manning and Andy Dalton, obviously available in some leagues. Be a nice one-week fill-in if you need it. 
or an injury, you know, if you lost Derek Carr, you could do worse for the next month. There's guys that can probably help you at least tread water. Obviously, if Deshaun Watson is still available, you're going to want to go get him. From all indications, he looks like the real deal. I watched a lot of that game. I don't think it was a fluke. It's his second straight big statistical outing. Very nearly led the Texans to a victory in Foxborough against Patriots two weeks ago. Opened a can on the Titans this past Sunday. A stiff test this week against the NFL's lone undefeated team in the Kansas City Chiefs, who, of course, everyone picked to be the last unbeaten team. But yeah, you don't have to win the game to put up big numbers for fantasy owners. So definitely a guy. He would be the top of my quarterback target list. Running backs, I already mentioned Latavius Murray and Aaron Jones. Andre Ellington appears to be the guy you want in a very unimpressive Arizona backfield. It's only because he's catching a lot of passes out of the backfield. Gives him quite a bit of value in PPR formats. I believe he had nine receptions this past week. I think it was for like 49 yards total or something, but it's nine catches. You get nine catches, 40-something yards, 13, 14 PPR points. You could do worse in a pinch. Wayne Gallman, the New York Giants. Granted, if you're rostering or starting any running back for the New York Giants, your season is not working out like you'd hoped. But to date, he seems to be the most impressive running of a once admittedly unimpressive group. And unlike Paul Perkins, who was also hurt, I just didn't feel like mentioning it because who cares, he seems to have some ability to stay on the field in passing downs. So it's kind of been in case of emergency break glass type of deal. Wide receivers, Jerron Brown and the Arizona Cardinals has very quietly put up double-digit PPR fantasy points three weeks running. Had his first 100-yard game of his career this past weekend in the overtime win over the San Francisco 49ers. Given the injuries that they sustained, John Brown's been out. Obviously, David Johnson is, for all intents and purposes, done for the season. He's emerged as Carson Palmer's number two wide receiver two out of the last three weeks, double-digit targets. Targets are opportunities to produce. So, he's, in my mind, he's reached a point where he's worth a roster spot to say a fourth wide receiver. Will Fuller made his debut for the Texans in the big win over Tennessee. Caught two touchdown passes, shorter touchdown passes. You know, we always look at Fuller as more of a deep threat. But he does seem to have a rapport with Deshaun Watson, and that is a team that is moving the football quite well. Also, I already mentioned Geronimo Allison. If Devontae Adams can't go, which I don't believe he will. The guy that had a big game a couple weeks ago with Randall Cobb out, the next man up for the Packers. You know, saying you can count on another. I think he had like seven catches for 114 yards or something. Again, he's not going to go up and say that you can count on that. But once again, any port in a storm. The tight end position, Tyler Cross, Cincinnati Bengals. Six catches, 68 yards. Two scores last week in a thumping of the hapless, pathetic pile of monkey crap that is the Cleveland Browns. Career highs across the board. He's dinged up with neck and knee injuries, limited participant practice. The knees have been bothering him since preseason. The neck is something new. Assuming he plays, the Bills have been a little susceptible to production from the tight end so far this year. So if you're hurting at the tight end position, like everyone is, you know, who knew that at the beginning of the year we would be talking about Tyler Cross as a plug-and-play tight end, but that's the kind of season it's been. Cameron Brait, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, 
both he and O.J. Howard had big games for Tampa last week against the New York Giants, a team that apparently just does not cover tight ends at all. Most of Howard's came on one long pass where no one, I mean, no one covered him at all. Whereas Brait was targeted with quite a bit more regularity, you know, Winston still going to him with some frequency in that New England defense they're going up against Thursday night. Right now, it looks like it couldn't stop a high school team. So, Brait's another guy you can look at. And old dependable Ben Watson, dinged up, but assuming he plays for the Ravens, he's not going to light up the scoreboard, but he's probably good for three or four catches, 30, 40 yards, and PPR, it beats a blank. And that's where we're at at tight end. If you're not, if you've either got one of those elite guys you're running out there every week and get 15 points, or you're scrambling to find something you can plug in there to get you half a dozen. And it's, the folks that drafted those elite tight ends, those are going to be, that could be the story of the 2017 fantasy football season is those teams that drafted elite tight ends versus those of us who thought, oh, wait. Oh, stream. Hey, Greg Olson's good. He's reliable. He never misses a game until this year. His foot's doing better, by the way. So if that makes you say, yeah, it's only been three weeks. He's going to be gone at least five more, but I'm glad you're feeling better, Greg. Thanks. Go ahead and take a look game by game a little bit at the week five slate. You know, some players that I like, some players that I don't. A few questions facing every team, et cetera, so on and so forth. Same stuff we do every week, only with half the excitement because it's just me. Thursday night, New England at Tampa in the battle of no defense whatsoever because the Patriots cannot stop anyone and have given up over 300 yards passing, I believe, in every game. And Tampa Bay's entire defense is hurt. Levante Davis out. Quan Alexander's out. T.J. Ward is doubtful. He's not going to play. Defense man Noah Spence is playing. With one arm because he dislocated his shoulder again. Uh, Keith Pandy's hurt. I mean, their entire defense is injured. So I don't expect either team to have much difficulty moving the football. So I mean, it's start them if you got them with the offensive guys. Obviously, Mike Evans is a must start. Brady, Winston, Brandon Cooks, Chris Hogan, maybe even Danny Amendola in a pinch at the running back position. New England, I think I would lean more towards James White, who's been outscoring Mike Gillisley a little bit, although there's a part of me that wonders if maybe the Patriots will try to bang away a little bit at a dinged-up Buccaneers defense in an effort to, if you can't play defense, play ball control. You know, control tempo, they can't score if they don't have the ball. So I could be wrong there, but I still would lean White. The Tampa running backs are a much harder call. Doug Martin is back this week after finishing out his suspension. So, of course, Jaquiz Rogers last week for the Buccaneers had his best game of the year. You know, he couldn't have done that in week one or week two and actually helped fantasy owners. He waited until week – well, he didn't play in week one. Waited until week four when a lot of people had already been set up and put him on the bench. Didn't have a great game, but had a nice game, enough so that probably a pretty even split – in week four, I would guess Martin himself admitted he doesn't know what kind of workload he's going to see against the Patriots. Could be dictated by game flow. You know, if they give the first few carries to Martin and he goes nuts, he could carry the ball 22 times. If they give two carries to Martin, he gains one yard, we might not see him the rest of the game. So they're risky plays in 
in my opinion, this week's more of a wait and see how things kind of shake out, if you can. And a lot of people are in a position where they really can't. If I had to start one or the other, flip a coin, muscle hamster. And obviously, you don't want any part of either one of those defenses. Sunday slate starts with the New York Jets and the Cleveland Browns. What to say about this game, this titanic struggle of NFL powerhouses in which so Bilal Powell and maybe that Elijah McGuire kid that had the huge game last week might be the only players I would touch from a fantasy perspective with a 10-foot pole, and even then I wouldn't feel great about it. The Browns are terrible in every way a team can be, terrible offense, defense, special teams. They literally had a dumpster fire outside the stadium this week because, you know, the metaphor wasn't subtle enough, so they went literal. Crowell's been awful. Duke Johnson's been good enough that he's eaten into Crowell's workload to the point that Crowell's essentially unstartable at this point. The only thing the Jets are really accomplishing this year is winning enough games to screw up their draft position because that would be a very Jets thing to do. And the Browns are going to flirt with 0-16 again so that they can have the number one overall pick and screw it up. So it's the optimism bowl. If it's on TV, in your market, you have my sympathies. It will be on in mine. I will be watching Red Zone, most likely, instead. And I'm a Browns fan. But there's you know, there's only so much guy can take. There's only so many times you're going to punch me in the face before I ask you to please stop punching me in the face. Carolina Panthers at the Detroit Lions. The surprising Detroit Lions. They, Carolina Panthers for battle of three and one teams with Playoff aspirations. We saw Cam Newton and the Carolina offense come to life last week. Newton had easily his best game of the year, threw for over 300 yards, ran for another 40 yards, accounting for four total touchdowns. Does it mean Cam Newton is quote-unquote back? I don't know. I mean, there's a huge asterisk next to the game, and that asterisk is the New England Patriots' horrendous defense. I reckon we'll find out this week. I would feel better I'd feel better about starting Newton this week than I did last week. But that doesn't mean I feel great about it. If he can pull put two of those efforts together, then I'll be more inclined to think that maybe his arm's feeling a little bit better. They're letting him run the ball, you know, letting Cam be Cam and be a mobile quarterback. And that will make me feel a little bit better about all of the Carolina offense. Calvin Benjamin went over hundred receiving yards last week. Don't know that I look for a repeat there. I'm guessing he'll draw a lot of Darius Slay in coverage, so Temper expectations there. Obviously, you're going to want temper expectations with Devin Funches, who had two touchdown catches last year, last week in the big win. But he's a guy you can roll out as a wide receiver for, especially if Benjamin does get Darius Slay and a little bit of shadow coverage. That should open up Funches a little bit as the open guy. Detroit, you know, Abdullah coming off a great game. Carolina defense is no joke. He's a little dinged up. On an RB2 slash flex for me by Golden Tate just fine. Matt Stafford's at home. Uh, lower end QB one start. He's not a guy that I'd be rushing to bench. He's not a guy that I'd be rushing to start either. I own him in one league where I have him and Alex Smith. I'll probably start Stafford. I own him in another one where I have Stafford and Deshaun Watson. I'm kind of on the fence there. So not a great start. Not a terrible start. Should be one of the better games of the weekend, at least from an NFL perspective. So, if the Lions make it four and one, I'm pretty sure that's a sign of the apocalypse. 
course, the Jets might be three and two by the end of Sunday, and then it will definitely be the apocalypse. So y'all might want to go to church Sunday morning. I'm just saying. <laughs> From a good game to another, just thank you, NFL scheduling folks, for these awesome contests. San Francisco 49ers at the Indianapolis Colts. Frank Gore plays his old team. I actually kind of like him this week. The 49ers, they aren't as bad against the run as they were last year because that would be impossible. But they're not great against the run this year. I think they're allowing the third most fantasy points to the running back position in PPR format so far. And while Gore hasn't picked up a lot of yardage, I think he's averaging 3.1 yards carry. Found the end zone on a couple short yardage touchdowns, which has salvaged some of his fantasy value. I rather expect he will do that again. Carlos Hyde, obviously, so long as he's playing, you're going to want to roll him out. T.Y. Hilton showing some signs of life. Jack Doyle, Pierre Garçon. Kind of like Brian Hoyer a little bit of a sneaky 2QB league starter. If you're in a league where, say, it's a 2QB league and you've got Drew Brees and Matt Ryan both on a bye, and you're like, wow, and you don't necessarily want to plug a wide receiver or a running back into that spot, then maybe I would consider Hoyer. So if that even counts as an endorsement, I'm not sure. The game should be – I mean, given the game, the way the two teams played last week, San Francisco and Arizona had the field goal festival to end all field goal festivals, and the Colts got blowed up in Seattle. So, yeah, that should be a barn burner. First team to score a touchdown wins in overtime. Tennessee Titans at the Miami Dolphins could have the Matt Castle-led Titans, Cutler-led Dolphins. The Dolphins have scored six points in their last two games. And that was a garbage time score. If ever there was a week for the Miami passing game to get right, I mean, they've heard all the criticism. Adam Gase is lashing out at the media saying he knows that Jay Cutler can play quarterback and the offense is fine. It'll be fine. Why are you yelling at me? We're yelling because you suck. But the Titans are at or bottom at or near the bottom of the NFL in just about every pass defense category, whether it's yards allowed tied for the NFL lead in touchdown passes allowed, giving up the most fantasy points per game to wide receivers, I believe. I know that after the last two weeks, the idea of starting Devontae Parker or Jarvis Landry or Jay Ajayi, for that matter, although their lack of pass defense doesn't really help him much. He's just looked because Miami's offensive line apparently wants to try out to be matadors rather than be offensive linemen because as soon as the quarterback says, hut, they say, oh, and the defenders run past them. Parker and Landry this week, this last chance. I mean, if they can't get it done this week, then staple them to the bench, gorilla glue them to the bench. I honestly like Cutler as a sleeper start at quarterback this week, and that's after what he's done the past two weeks. I'm going to sleeper well with Jay Cutler in my weekly sleepers article, Bleacher Report, where I've hit on for the season, to be fair, and even 50% of my sleeper calls, which I think is pretty good because I have not been just obvious and, you know, I'm not calling, well, Kevin Coleman is a backup running back for Atlanta. No, he's not a sleeper. I'm trying to go with legitimate sleepers. I've hit on half of them. Picking Cutler this week, so it'll probably be less than half. But you never know. Tennessee's pass defense is really bad. Keep hope alive. And like I said earlier, I would expect Tennessee – 
if Mariota sits, we're going to see a ton of DeMarco Murray and Derrick Henry. They're going to try to shorten the game, slow it down, bang away at a Dolphins defense that is not great but not terrible, and grind out a win. So I would shy away from any Titan receiver not named Delaney Walker, and I wouldn't be crazy about starting him. Buffalo Bills, the 3-1, and one, credit where it's due, surprisingly 3-1, and one, just beat the Atlanta Falcons, 3-1 and one, Buffalo Bills, at the Cincinnati Bengals, who got their first win of the season last year, last week, excuse me. Sean McDermott has that Buffalo defense playing very well, despite you know, not exactly a list of household names. They did lose their weak side linebacker, Raymond Humber, to a fractured thumb, Hand, the hand injury is going to require surgery. He's going to be out about a month. They're going to be starting a rookie, Matt Milano Cookie, which dark chocolate, shortbread, those are good. So that might open up the run game a little bit for Cincinnati. I don't know that I'd be too optimistic given that Cincinnati could not run on Cleveland last week, and if you can't run on Cleveland, you probably can't run. It's too bad for Joe Mixon owner, you know, Finally, the laser, the new offense coordinator, comes to his senses, says, you know, why the hell are we going with three running backs? And begins to ride, mixing early downs, mix Geo in late. They're not opening any holes, so the only guy who's getting any yards is Giovanni Bernard. So I wouldn't be in any hurry to start mixing. I would probably start Bernard over him. At least he might get you a little PPR love on third downs. Obviously, A.J. Green, Shady McCoy, those type of guys are going to be in your lineups. If I had to pick one quarterback or the other, that's a tough one. I'm going to go with the Red Rifle at home, but it's very close. I like Tyrod Taylor's ability to hurt teams with his legs. But it's Andy. It's at home. It's 1 o'clock. It's nowhere near nighttime. We know Andy is afraid of the dark. Lights will be. It's all good. And to his credit, Dalton has looked good. Now, Cleveland will make anyone look good, but he looked good against him. Charles Clay. Don't want, don't want to forget to mention Charles Clay, tight end for the Buffalo Bills, emerging as probably Tyra Taylor's favorite target. He's becoming every week's start at tight end. If you were lucky enough, if you're one of the 800 fantasy owners with tight end problems and you were lucky enough to get Charles Clay off your waiver board, just stop overthinking it and start it. Because he's racking up, you know, five, six catches, 50, 60 yards a game, DPR, I'll take it. I'll take that in standard, given the trash fire that most of my tight end spots are right now. Without a lot of shares in Tyler Eifert, Jordan Reed, and Greg Olson. So, awesome, right? Loving it. It's a little more complaining about my fantasy because I know you guys care about my fantasy teams. I know you you sit at home on like a Tuesday and you think to yourself, "How did Gary's fantasy team do?" And then Thursday rolls around. And I, I wonder who Gary's putting in his starting lineup for his fantasy team. And then I know on Sunday afternoon you can't even concentrate on the games because you. I wonder what the score is in Gary's fantasy game. So I just wanted to let you guys know that my tight ends suck. And I hate them. Many of them are dead to me. Quite a few more will be. Give them two, three more weeks. So. Update over. Los Angeles Chargers, New York Giants. Battle of the winless teams. 
Now, granted, not a lot of people expected much from the Chargers, but people did not expect the New York Giants to be over after making the playoffs last year. But their run game is they don't have one. Their offensive line is they don't have one. And the defense has taken a bit of a step backward. I've seen some signs of life from Eli Manning and Phillip Rivers these past couple weeks. I, not great starts. I would favor Eli. It's only because the Chargers defense is not as good as New York's. Odell Beckham, obviously, is a no-brainer. Evan Ingram's shown some flashes. I'd like to see a little more consistency out of him. I wonder about Keenan Allen this week. I think he might draw Jack Rabbit, Janoris Jenkins in coverage for most of the afternoon, which could open the door for a second straight nice game from Tyrell Williams, who went five for 105 or 115, I can't remember which, and a touchdown, 75-yard touchdown. So you get that long pass bonus, too, this past week. Melvin Gordon, folks, I don't know if it's a matter of him being a little nicked up. I don't know if it's a matter of the Chargers not blocking. I don't know if it's a combination of the two. I don't know if he's just sad, but his play has certainly been sad. He was drafted as a top-five running back in most fantasy leagues coming off his big year. In 2016, he slid into RB2 territory probably at this point, and I'm not stoked about starting him as an RB2. I mean, odds are you're going to have to start him unless you've got excellent depth at the running back position. But if you're looking for some sort of turnaround to occur in the near future, I don't see it. I haven't seen anything to indicate that it's going to happen. If there's a bright spot for the Chargers this week, it will probably be either the aforementioned Tyrell Williams or the tight ends, the youngster Hunter Henry, old man Antonio Gates, because as we saw last week against Tampa, the New York Giants apparently don't understand that tight end is even a position in football because they didn't bother to cover him last week. So, And given Ben McAdoo's penchant for not making adjustments at all, I wouldn't count on them doing so this week either. So it's a good week for the Chargers tight ends. They may be the only one it's a good week for, but it's a good week for the Chargers tight ends. Jacksonville Jaguars, Pittsburgh Steelers. Just when you think the Jaguars might not stink, they go out and get beat by the Jets. So I've given up trying to figure out the Jaguars. <clears throat> we know Blake Bortles sucks. Obviously, they have no Allen Robinson. Allen Herms didn't do much last week, but I think a lot of that was it was a close game. There's no garbage time. We need garbage time. Must have garbage time. Might get some garbage time this week against the Steelers. Some good old-fashioned Blake Bortles garbage time numbers. Steelers have been stout defensively. You're going to roll Leonard Fournette out anyway. Not loving him this week, but it's, it's got to start it. Jags defense has been stout as well, especially against the pass. Santonio Brown and Le'Veon Bell. I mean, need I say more? And Ben Roethlisberger is at home, although he has admittedly not been great so far this year, statistically speaking, whether he's at home or on the road. Antonio Brown is yelling at him when he's not throwing the ball to him. So maybe this will be a squeaky wheel gets the grease situation. So it could be a huge weekend for Antonio Brown and DFS. I mean, obviously, in DFS, you're going to pay for Antonio Brown. This might be a good week to go ahead and bite the bullet because I expect him to get targeted approximately all the times. But the Jaguars' corners are no joke. A.J. Bouye, Jalen Ramsey, 
one of the best matchups of the week to me is that Jacksonville secondary against Antonio Brown. Quick DFS note, I stacked Deshaun Watson, DeAndre Hopkins last weekend. Good times. Once again, I know how much you care about my fantasy teams, and I figure that extends from the season-long ones into the DFS ones. So I wanted to clue you in on that, too. You're welcome. I'm here to help. I'm here to entertain. I'm here to inform. I'm here to annoy somewhat. And I'm just trying to go to check all the boxes. There's no co-host here to temper my enthusiasm, to hold me back, to keep me sane. Go with whichever one you want. Hopefully one will return next week because the odds are folks are going to stop listening if it's just me. Please don't stop listening. I like doing this. Arizona Cardinals, Philadelphia Eagles. Cardinals offense is a mess. Cardinals offensive line is a mess. Doesn't help that there's no run game whatsoever so that pass rushers can just pin their ears back and go at Carson Palmer, but the line's not blocking well. Carson's on a pace to give up. They're on pace to break the NFL record for sacks. Carson Palmer may be the least mobile quarterback in the National Football League. At this rate, he is not going to survive the season. The Eagles can be thrown on, though. So Larry Fitzgerald, Jerome Brown, you know, your Arizona pass catchers, I kind of like them this week. Andre Ellington catching the ball out of the backfield. For Philly, Arizona's still a very good defensive team. I don't know that LeGarrette Blunt is going to have the success that he did last week. It's kind of hard to sit, given how hot he was. The Cardinals, more than any team in the league, will shadow an opponent's number one wide receiver. Patrick Peterson will most likely spend all day in Alshon Jeffrey's hip pocket. So you may want to temper your expectations a little bit for Jeffrey this weekend. Conversely, Zach Ertz could be a good foot, but the Cardinals, once again, are well-equipped to match up against tight ends, whether it's with a safety like Tyron Branch and Tyron Matthew. They're moving Hassan Reddick to outside linebacker this week after the injury to Marcus Golden because they have Dayon Buchanan back who's another converted safety who's got the quickness to maybe stay with tight ends. So I kind of wonder about that Philly passing game. I mean, I, I still like the Eagles to win this game, I think, because it's in Philadelphia. If it was in the desert, I might be tempted to go with a little bit of an upset special and maybe because – I'm not saying the Cardinals are a great team, but I don't know that the Eagles are either. So, you know, you make the West Coast trip. But it's the same for a West Coast team. You make an East Coast trip for a 1 o'clock start, which I believe this game is. So I think the Eagles will win. I don't know that it's going to be a scoring festival. So I think there may be some fantasy, some lower than average fantasy performance for most of the players in this game. Outside for Larry Fitz, maybe Jerron Brown, because, I mean, what do we really expect Jerron Brown to do? Seattle Seahawks at the 3-1 first place Los Angeles Rams. The Rams, I'm just going to say it, appear to be the real deal. It is amazing what a competent coach and a left tackle who can actually block people can do for a football team. I'm blown away. I mean, Todd Gurley is carving teams up, just gashed the Dallas Cowboys. People who drafted him in round two right now are doing cartwheels like Daffy Duck in an old Bugs Bunny cartoon. They're so happy. Jared Goff looks 
So who are you and what have you done with Jared Goff? I'm starting to think maybe it's an alien spacecraft come down and replaced him with one of them pod people from Invasion of the Body Snatcher. He looks like a number one overall pick now. And that Los Angeles offense is just carving people up. Now, granted, this is stout test against a very good Seattle defense. It's in Los Angeles and a recent during the Jeff Fisher era. Now, maybe this will flip because we are definitely no longer in the Jeff Fisher era because we're four weeks in and the Rams have already won three games. The Rams were kind of a thorn in Seattle's side. They would rise up and bite Seahawks on the butt from time to time. Now, this, you know, they're favored this week, I believe. So, obviously, you're going to start girly. You have to. Jared Goff, probably not. My man, Cooper. Could be in for a nice day, if only because I think Sammy Watkins will probably see more of Richard Sherman than Cooper Cup will. Now, they can move Watkins around and whatnot to scheme him open because, for the most part, Richard Sherman just sticks to his side of the field. Honestly, most cornerbacks in the NFL right now, with the exception of Patrick Peterson, and I want to say, oh, I'm blanking on what team. There's one team that's been having their corner shadow. It's not a prominent, it's not corners that would leap to mind. I can't believe that's done. And Pat Peterson are really the only teams that are really shadowing right now. Most teams are just playing straight up defense. So one corner, you know, the right corner stays on the right side, the left corner stays on the left side. I think Watkins will see more of Sherman than Cup will, which could open up, especially if Jeremy Lane's out, the rookie Shaq Griffin for Seattle has been a rookie <laughs> so far this year. So Cup could have a nice day. I think Watkins may be a little down relative to – I don't know that we can expect a San Francisco game every week anyway, but you might want to temper things a little bit with Sammy Watkins for the Seahawks. Chris Carson last week, the broken leg. Bummer. We're right back. We're back to square one with the Seattle ground game. Is it going to be Eddie Lacy? Is it going to be Thomas Rawls? How much will C.J. Prosize to work in? If he even plays because he's dinged up. Two weeks ago, Lacey's a healthy scratch. Last week, Lacey had his best game of the year, 11 carries, 52 yards. Now, most of those were when the game was out of hands, grain of salt. Last week, Rawls was a healthy scratch. They'll both be active this week. Which one will lead the team in carries and or rushing? I have no earthly idea. If I had to lean one way or the other, Lacey's slightly, but it's as much a guess as anything. So Rawls could run for 120 and Lacey could carry the ball twice or vice versa. So if you're starting, then you're desperate, and I hope you hit on whichever guy you put in there. Other than that, Russell Wilson, Doug Baldwin, your usual suspects for the Seahawks, would like to see a Jimmy Graham sighting would be nice, given the, once again, all the problems at tight end that I keep complaining about because my tight end suck. But the Rams have some Speedy linebackers and Alec Ogletree and Mark Barron, guys that can not only run with Graham but body him up. So I don't know that I'm holding my breath waiting for that type. Jason Witten did nothing against the Rams last week. Of course, Jason Witten did nothing the week before that. Two huge weeks to start the year, two weeks on a melt carton. Thanks for nothing. Not that we really should have been surprised. The two. The first two weeks were the aberration. The last two weeks have been the Jason Witt we saw last year. As as my old co-host, Walton Sperlin, used to say, water finds its level. 
Wise man. Refuse to join me tonight. Screw you, Wally. School function. Indeed. I don't know if I believe it. <laughs> Baltimore Ravens. Oakland Raiders. The Ravens have not looked good the last couple weeks at all. I think that 44-7 loss in London to the Jaguars may have broken something. The team stole, perhaps. Joe Flacco, the Ravens are going to have a decision to make whether or not Flacco is the guy. I know that he had that magical postseason run. I know he won a Super Bowl with the Ravens. They're paying him a lot of money, and he's not very good. I mean, I I live in Columbus, Ohio. I listen to a local radio host here today who is a Ravens fan say with a straight face that he would rather Andy Dalton be the starting quarterback for the Baltimore Ravens than Joe Flacco. Ouch. Much like Seattle, the Ravens have a very unsettled backfield. Terrence West, Alex Collins has run probably the best of all their backs. They can't stop putting the ball on the ground, which is going to get you sat down at the NFL. Buck Allen's done nothing, but at this point probably has more fantasy value than the other two because he's catching four or five passes a game, so at least you're getting something from him in PPR. Normally, I would look at Oakland and say, this is a team you might be able to run on, nice matchup, but it's muddy, maybe Allen. This is a game, honestly, that I look at from fantasy perspective, and I try to find something to like, and I'm not having a lot of luck. Because with Derek Carr out, the Oakland passing game is in shambles. Marshawn Lynch has looked like a 31-year-old or 32-year-old, whatever, tailback who didn't play at all last year over the first few years. You know, he ran all right in week one against Tennessee and helped him grind out that win. And everyone, oh, beast mode's back. The last three weeks has been least mode, not beast mode. Um, maybe he'll get untracked. Is that they're going to need Marshawn Lynch moving forward if they're going to survive this absence. From Derek, either they're going to need Marshawn Lynch or they're going to have to get some of the other backs involved. So I, I would look for him to get a heavier workload this week against Baltimore, who's a pretty good defensive team. The effort in London, notwithstanding, got gashed a little. Well, they were a good defensive team the first couple weeks. Last couple weeks, not so much. So maybe the table's set for Marshawn this week. I just don't know if I trust him to do it. RB two, the one I don't have a ton of confidence in. I'll be starting him in a few leagues because I don't have much choice. But I'm not plugging him in there like, oh yeah, Skittles gonna go mad in the black hole. I hope he does for my sake and for yours and for his and for the people with Skittles because you know they got little shiny candies to sell. Game of the week for most people: Green Bay Packers, Dallas Cowboys. Cowboys smarting after that loss to the Rams. Packers took care of business against the Chicago Bears. You know, I already mentioned the Green Bay ground game. We really don't know where we're going to be there. I mean, we could see the rookie. We could see the rookie in Montgomery. We could see both rookies in Montgomery, and all three of them kind of cancel one another out because two are hurt. And one is barely played, so they don't want to give anybody too much work. And they'll just, I would expect they're going to lean on the passing game and the right arm, Aaron Rodgers. Probably going to be a big week for him. Big week for Jordy Nelson. Good week for Randall Cobb. If Devontae Adams sits, I think you can throw Geronimo Allison into the mix. You know, I'll be interested to see. I'm not sure. I haven't looked. 
at FanDuel or DraftKings yet this week to see what the price of a Randall Cobb or maybe even a Geronimo Allison is. But the Dallas secondary is all kind of banged up. So you want to, if you can, investing in the Green Bay passing game this weekend I think is going to pay off. Granted, if you do Jordy Nelson, you're going to play retail. Randall Cobb, you know, maybe you get 10 20% off. And Geronimo Allison is a scratch and dent guy that you're hoping to hit the jackpot with more of a tournament play. Dallas, you know, Zeke seems to be getting untracked a little bit. Still waiting for word as to whether or not they're still waiting for the Fifth Circuit to rule on the appeal of the appeal or the appeal of the appeal's appeal or whatever appeal we're on. It's all getting entirely too complicated for me trying to figure out whether or not he's going to be playing in a given week. But he will be playing Sunday, I would expect. You know, it's Ezekiel Elliott. Of course, you're going to start him. Dak Prescott's middling QB. You know, he's in the Matt Stafford, Deshaun White. He's in that pack of QB1s. You know, they're going to be starting quite a few leagues. Not hating it, not loving it. be nice to see Des Bryant have a good game here. Green Bay is a team that historically you've been able to throw on. Des Bryant certainly has history against the Packers in catching passes that he totally caught that were called non-catches, even though it was absolutely a catch, and I don't care what the officials said. And I don't have any skin in that. I don't like the Packers or the Cowboys, but Des Bryant in playoffs, that was a catch. I'm sorry. It's a catch. You're going to start Des. If nothing else, it should be an exciting game. It usually is when the Packers and the Cowboys get together. And if Dallas loses this game and say we see the Eagles win to go to 4-1, and one, there's going to be some Texas-sized panic going on in Big D, which I would find kind of amusing. I don't want to wish it on Cowboys fans because then they'll send me hate mail, but <laughs> I do kind of have Green Bay win so because it will freak out the Cowboys fan base, and that amuses me. Kansas City Chiefs, Houston Texans. Kansas City Chiefs are the lone remaining undefeated team in the National Football League, and they burned it. Beat the Washington Redskins in thrilling last-second fashion this past Monday night with the craziest backdoor cover. You know, if you're the type of person who gambles, which I'm totally not. The sports gambling's not legal in Ohio. If you're somewhere where it is, that's the craziest backdoor cover I've ever seen, that lateral recovery by Justin Houston running for a touchdown. Bam, covered the spread and hit the over all in one play and simultaneously made one group of people ecstatically happy and another group of people despondent, and they crawled inside the other. It's it's what makes gambling on football both maddening and incredibly entertaining. Not that I ever have because it's not legal in Ohio, but if I had, it would be maddening and incredibly entertaining. You know, Alex Smith. Who knew we talked about him as a weekly fantasy starter at this point? But, I mean, he's putting up the numbers. Had another great game against the Redskins. He's throwing the ball downfield more than we're used to seeing. Travis Kelsey's an animal. Tyreek Hill, Gary Conley, obviously Hunt, catching the ball out of the backfield. I mean, it's where we've reached the point. This is how bizarre the first month of the 2017 season's in where we're plugging Alex Smith in a, a starting fantasy lineup, like, yeah, all right. I don't even know what to say about that. Punt, Hill, Kelsey, all start, start, start. Houston's got a good defense, but, I mean, those guys at this point have reached the status of you're plugging them in. No questions asked. 
And maybe this will be the week that Hunt finally appears mortal, but even if it is, I am not going to lose any sleep over it. And I don't expect the young man to put up 175 total yards every week all season long. That would be a record. Like CJJ Watt gets first sack of the year, the IDP slappy in me, please. It's been a month. JJ Watt doesn't have a sack. I know he said he doesn't care. I do. I want to see him get a sack. He's going to get his going to get his first sack this week. I'm bring Alex Smith down. On the Texans side of the ball, you know Kansas City is another very good defensive team. That's part of the reason that they're undefeated. But Deshaun Watson, between the damage he's doing with his arm and with his legs, you know that mobility just adds to the fantasy value. Kind of hard not to like him. Nuck Hopkins, another guy that people took in the second round. Todd Gurley and DeAndre Hopkins are probably the two most popular second-round picks in fantasy football right now because Watson is targeting Hopkins early and often. No wide receiver in the NFL has been thrown at more and is showing in his production. Had a nice game out of Lamar Miller this past week. I would expect he steps back a little. Kansas City can be run on somewhat. I mean, Kansas City will give up yardage, whether it's through the air or on the ground. Kansas City is very good at bending but not breaking and stiffening up in the red zone, forcing a turnover, making a big play. I like Kansas City in the game. So it's a game that you look at maybe two or three weeks ago and it's like, okay, that's an okay matchup. Now it's it's feeling much better. It's one of those rare occasions where the scheduling gods actually made a game better as opposed to worse after a month of the season. And then Monday night we wrap things up with the Minnesota Vikings at the Chicago Bears, a couple of banged-up teams. The Bears made the switch to quarterback at Mitchell, with Mitchell Trubisky, probably because Mike Glennon has turned the ball over 48 times in four games approximately. Actually, I think it was eight I think they may be rushing things a little bit. I, I understand. You look at Houston, you see Deshaun Watson going crazy. You look at L.A. and you see Jared Goff in his second season having all this success. And then you look at Mike Glennon and imagine that $18 million he set on fire. But there's a huge difference between Deshaun Watson and Mitchell Trubisky and that's the weapons around him in that Trubisky doesn't have any. And he's got the running backs, Jordan Howard and Trey Cohen. Can you name the top three wide receivers for the Chicago Bears right now? I'm not going to do it. You'll have to go out and Google them or whatever because it's just – and it's kind of setting him up to fail, especially in a Monday night game against a stout Minnesota defense. I don't know that I expect the Vikings to light things up, especially since I don't expect to see Sam Bradford Monday. That would obviously change things. Diggs and Thielen – are startable even with Keenum on their center, especially against the Bears secondary. That's not great. Diggs, preferable. Latavius Murray hasn't looked especially good, but the Bears are so banged up inside. They've lost inside linebacker Jarrell Freeman to a season-ending injury. Then they lost Nick Kwiatkowski to his replacement to a season-ending injury. Danny Trevathan is suspended for the game. Quentin Demps are starting strong safety on injured reserve. I mean, they're just torn to pieces with injuries up the gut. So you would think the Vikings would be able to run the ball in this game. And given the problems that Keenan has had with moving the ball down the field consistently, I would expect that they will run the ball in this game. So despite Murray's struggles so far this year, 2.7 yards a carry, I believe it is, 
I like him this week. I think he's a decent RB2. I think the Vikings win this game by double digits, and Chicago sports fans are calling into radio stations on Tuesday morning complaining about Mitchell Trubisky and asking for Glennon back. Maybe not. I don't think they're ever going to ask for Glennon back. But you don't have to. You've, they've turned page at this point. Once you put Trubisky in there, he's in there, and you've just got to roll with it and try to find the kids some weapons in next year's draft. Because that's what it's going to take. You, know, you can't look at what job. Look at golf last year in L.A. with a terrible offensive line. Well, the Bears line is terrible, but L.A.'s was, and no receiving talent. It just, you're just like I just said, you're setting a quarterback up to so. sell. That's it for the Week Five slate across the NFL. That is also it for this week's edition of the Fantasy Football Feeding Frenzy. I managed to jibber jabber my way through the entire hour. I appreciate you folks taking the time to listen. I hope it wasn't too monotonous and or stupid. And we, by which I mean hopefully myself and a co-host, will see you next week. Good luck.